Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, Episode 85, Space City. I'm Pat Ryan. On this podcast, we talk with scientists, engineers, astronauts, lots of other folks about their part in America's space exploration program. Today, we're focusing on how the presence of one NASA field center here in Houston impacts the community in which it resides, and vice versa. When President Kennedy set his moon landing goal back in 1961, NASA decided that the group that was leading human spaceflight efforts needed its own location. The requirements were that it be at least a thousand acres in a moderate climate with established electric and water utilities, close to commercial jet service and to water transport that could accommodate large barges, that it have an established industrial complex with available labor, be close to institutes of higher education, and have a culturally attractive community. The site that ultimately was selected was 25 miles southeast of downtown Houston, which in the 1960 census had a population of 938,000 people, just a little behind Baltimore and about 60,000 ahead of Cleveland. The site actually wasn't even inside the Houston city limits. A map from 1961 shows that the only things interesting enough in the immediate area to be marked were a county park and the Houston Girl Scout camp, which was located pretty much where I'm sitting today. It was a thousand acres of, of land that had been donated by the Humble Oil Company to Rice University, which the school was leasing out to graze cattle, and which it was willing to make available to the government to bring what was then known as the Manned Spacecraft Center to Houston. The people started working in leased office and laboratory space all over town while the buildings were built. The new center officially opened in September 1963, 18 months before the first manned flight of the Gemini program. Well, things around here have changed a lot since then. And joining me to talk about the relationship between NASA and the local community in Houston are Cindy DeWeese, the president and CEO of the Clear Lake Area Chamber of Commerce, William Harris, president and CEO of Space Center Houston, and Bob Mitchell, president of the Bay Area Houston Economic Partnership. So, here we go. T-minus five seconds and counting. Mark. Launch commit by search for the red. Here she goes. Houston, we have a podcast. Let me start by asking each one of you to give me an elevator pitch about what your organization is and the role in this community. Alphabetically, let's start with uh, Cindy Deweese. Okay, well, I am the President and CEO of the Clear Lake Area Chamber of Commerce, and we started in 1962 with the uh, Seabrook business community and the Kima business community wanting to start a business organization, membership organization, because the government was coming. Oh. Manned Space Flight Center was being built and they felt like they needed to get their act together. And so uh, the Chamber of Commerce started in those communities. Two years later, League City joined, the business community of League City joined that effort and they became the Clear Lake Chamber of Commerce based on the name of the lake. And then uh, as the community grew and more cities formed that uh, went around the lake and we now represent nine different cities in portions of two counties 
and we have about 900 members and as I said we're a business organization our focus is on on economic development and advocacy and with that though um, networking has formed because people want to do business with people they know like and trust and so joining the Chamber of Commerce and having a common goal with the other members helps you to get to know folks and build your business mm -hmm. network sure. so in a nutshell that's what the Chamber is all about terrific mm -hmm. William Harris Space Center Houston is what well, Space Center Houston is a dynamic learning destination. We are a science center uh, that focuses on space exploration and specifically interpreting human space exploration. And we're also the official visitor center for NASA Johnson Space Center. So we came about um, about 26 or so years ago as the outcome of the various NASA research centers talking about how to better manage visitors. Because it used to be you could just walk onto the facility at NASA Johnson Space Center, go into any kind of laboratory or, or area, but we now live in a post 9-11 world where you have to manage visitors who come into your facilities, particularly a secure federal facility. And so we have grown to be the top destination in Houston for out-of-town visitors, uh, welcoming over 1.1 million visitors a year, and we're continuing to grow. Um, we've uh, recently gone through a, an extensive strategic planning process to really look at how do we manage that growth, because um, we're kind of busting at the seams of the number of people <laughs> coming through. And in part, I think it's a reflection of the public's renewed interest in space exploration and excitement about what's going on. Um, we um, also offer very robust education programming. It's a, a major area of growth and service to the community. Uh, we now welcome over 250,000 youth and educators on field trips every year, and that, that number is continuing to expand. Uh, we offer um, classes for people of all ages. Um, yeah, one of our, our best known one is called Space Center University, which is a one week deep engineering immersion for visitors uh, ages 11 through college. And so uh, based on your academic level, you have a, an incredible experience in the course of the week to understand what goes into well, working in the space program. I did not know that Space Center Houston was the top visitor destination of the whole area. Yes. Yeah, we receive um, more out of town visitors than any other destination in the Houston region. Historical note, before there was Space Center Houston, the Visitor Center was right here in this room where we are sitting today. <laughs> this used to be where space capsules were on display, and where I came when I was nine. Interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. Bob Mitchell, the Bay Area Houston Economic Partnership. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Uh, the Bay Area Houston Economic Partnership is a 501c6 nonprofit organization. We just started our 43rd year. We're a completely member-driven organization. We have about 270 members. Uh, 13 cities fund us, two counties, Harrison, Galveston County, Port of Houston, Houston Airport System. We have 43 aerospace companies that, that uh, are members of the organization, about 22 financial institutions, about 16 healthcare institutions, um, about six especially chemical companies. We have uh, some brokers, some developers. As I tell everybody, you, you got to have a few lawyers. <laughs> uh, very little retail. We have some retail, uh, like Minuteman Press and, and My Flooring America, who have been members since the beginning of the organization. Um, what we do is we recruit companies to the region. Uh, it may be from North Texas, South Texas, or it may be from Alaska. It may be anywhere. We recruit companies here. We do a lot of retention work. Retentions define about a lot of the work that I do for the Johnson Space Center. Is, is I tell people I can say things and ask for things that they can't ask for themselves. So I do a lot of retention work. And then uh, off the, the other thing is expansion projects. We 
recently have worked expansion projects. Conoco was a $500 million expansion uh, project. Line Deposel was a $1.2 billion expansion project. What does that mean? These companies are global. They can do work anywhere in the world. They can expand their operations anywhere. They're global uh, global companies. They need a reason to do it here. Absolutely. So what we do is we give them a reason. What we do is we put, we put uh, financial packages together. Uh, based on incentives, maybe from the city, from the county, from the state, workforce training dollars, uh, pull all that together, abatements, and say, here, this is a, we'll give you this if you, if you ex- do that $500 million expansion uh, project here. Mm-hmm. So. Tell me, uh, narrow it down for me just a little, and tell me how you do that work that is uh, directly with NASA and the Johnson Space Center on a, on a regular basis. Well, once a month I meet with the center director and have been meeting with the center director since BCAL. Okay. And we go over issues that, that they have, and I try to find a way to, to help them out. That's basically <coughs> what it is. And, of course, I work very closely with Debbie Condor and Arturo uh, Sanchez, a number of people within the um, NASA. Yeah, and those are those are people who lead the external relations office at right. JSC uh, today. G- can you give me an example or two of what sort of things does – the NASA Johnson Space Center look to you to assist them with? To help the federal government to make sure that they're fully funded in their budgets. Uh, I work on the budgets quite often. Uh, and, and, and again, you know, as a NASA contractor or a NASA employee, you can't ask for money, but that doesn't mean I can't ask for money. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm that uh, mechanism that helps them, you know, to get to receive the funding that they need in the, in the right programs. Cindy, in, in your case, how does the Chamber of Commerce working with NASA and, and JSC. Well, we also have Debbie Condor on our board, and where she reports to our board once a month, so she brings us uh, news from NASA, what's going on at JSC, specifically at JSC. And uh, so we, we keep um, abreast of what's going on in that area, but we also, um, I go to annually on a trip that BAHEP actually started and organized as Citizens for Space Exploration. And that is a, a trip to Washington, D.C., where we take a about 100 folks, and or BAHEP organizes it. Yeah, I'm and BAHEP fortunate is to, Bob Mitchell's Bob organization. Mitchell's organization. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm fortunate to be involved in that and asked to participate in that. And that is just going around and talking to our congressmen and our senators about the importance of space exploration, specifically human space exploration, and how that um, it, it drives as an economic driver for these communities and for the entire U.S. And so it's important with... Um, to our economy, but it's important to the citizens of our country well, as well. And that's Can I comment uh, on that one particular sure. trip? That one particular trip we started uh, 24 years ago. And we started because the International Space Station passed by one vote. Right. Mm-hmm. At that time, we took six travelers from Houston and visited seven offices in Washington, D.C. Last year, we took 100. Now, again, that started in Houston. Last year alone, we took 104 travelers, visited 404 offices. <laughs> These are actual scheduled set-down meetings. They're not walk in and hand them a piece of paper. We schedule these meetings prior to getting there. 404, we visited 81% of the House, 79% of the Senate. To talk about the importance of NASA and the innovation technology that the American people get from it. And we don't talk specifically about JSC. We talk about NASA and the importance of NASA to America. It does, is it, is human spaceflight a hard sell on Capitol Hill? Absolutely not. I will, I will say 12 years ago, it was a bit of a hard sell. We were able to meet with about 70 or 80. But as, we, as we've grown this program, uh, we've met with uh, 404 last year. It's truly, truly one of the very few issues in Washington that is bipartisan. 
we receive support from the Democratic side just as well as we receive it from the Republican side. There is, there's no division. It's, they're very supportive. And well, welcome. Yeah. I mean, the folks come in there and we're from the community. It's business. It's the business community, some mm-hmm. industry, but mostly it is people that live and work and have uh, jobs, businesses, because of a community like, like ours, mm-hmm. because NASA's here. And so um, it's important for them to go and express to Congress, my business depends on that facility, or my, I have a business because I'm doing business <laughs> with NASA. And so they listen to that. Um, that message, and they see how important it is to the economy, but they also see how important it is to um, just human beings, the human race. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the complement mm-hmm. to that is really the work we do at Space Center Houston because it's the general public. Right. And your elected officials are going to respond to what their constituents say is important to them. And really, space is the great frontier. And I think it appeals to people of all ages and nations. And so we're able to inform them around what's going on currently. Our main charge is interpreting what's happening in space exploration, specifically through NASA and Johnson Space Center. And so I think it's a great compliment. So our, we often hold um, briefings. We allow elected officials to come in and hold community meetings um, about uh, to hear from their constituents on, on all, all topics, but it gives them a chance to actually see our exhibits. And I have an opportunity to, to impart messaging around what's happening in space exploration and why it's a value and important to, to our community. It, it seems pretty clear what the Space Center Houston's day-to-day interaction is with JSE. As you said, that's the official visitor center. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Uh, on the upside for us, uh, because every visitor center has a slightly different structure, we're also a 501c3 nonprofit, so we're independent, and so we have autonomy. But to facilitate good communication with JSC, six of our board members are executives from Johnson Space Center. So they keep us informed around what are the latest programs, initiatives, priorities. Uh, so we're imparting correct information or the latest information to the public. Um, but um, when situations occur, like the recent government shutdown, the furlough, it, we can still function. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not in some of our sister visitor centers that were run through uh, a fe- the federal agency actually closed or did not have access to facilities as we did. Right. Cindy's commented a moment ago about how when you, you're, you're, you're carrying the message of business people and, and citizens to Congress saying that this thing that you've got going on uh, in our community is important. And that was a major thing at the time that NASA came to this area more than, you know, 55, 57 years ago or now. Um, for contrast, any one of you, give me a sense of what this part of the world was like in 1961 when the federal government decided that they were going to establish a NASA center here, where there at the time was nothing. Well, let Cindy kick that off. Yeah, okay. You've been here a little bit longer than me. A little bit longer. I, I know a little <laughs> bit more about it. It was mostly a fishing and farming and ranching community. You know, there was there was lots of pasture land. There was, of course, access to the bay and access to um, the Gulf, and so it was uh, great for that. And so there wasn't a lot of industry here. There wasn't. In fact, we were in um, Austin last week and went into an office, and they had a map of Harris County from the late 1800s, and it was fascinating to see our area because it had names instead of towns. That this was Sarah Deal's ranch and this was you know another ranch so it's fascinating to see what it was it was a lot of nothing and so beautiful but um but 
there was no there wasn't a Clear Lake City there wasn't you know a league city which is still growing and um, by leaps and bounds and so that's kind of a uh, a fun part of our history and folks love to hear that they love to hear well what was it like you know in the 60s here and it was all new and everybody was new and so you've formed a family a texas family because people came from all over and you didn't there there weren't any clicks because nobody came from anywhere <laughs> you know they didn't all come together that's right that's uh-huh. right so let's just go back to that to that period of time at, at that time there was about 960 or 70,000 people in the entire Houston area mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. today there's 5.5 million now if you just look at our area the area that we are responsible for Bayhep is responsible for it actually goes from the Beltway east to Pearland east uh, west to um, the ship channel all the way to galveston bay in that area that's alone a area. It, mm-hmm. that's bay area in that area alone today there's eight hundred thousand people that's how many we represent at the bay area yeah. economic almost area. as much as we're the in the city of houston proper right. in 1960 right. absolutely so things have changed and i will say that if you get right down to it as i as i tell people jsc is the heart and soul of this region jsc is what started this region that is where that's why we have 800,000 people in this region now of course there's other industries grown but without JSC you would not have had that that was going to be my my question whether it was fair to say that the putting the Johnson Space Center here was the main driver of this development the only driver right okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) the only driver (laughs) I've always felt that was true and I've lived in the area since the middle 60s uh, I always felt that that was true, but I haven't done the research or to, to know it for a fact, but uh, you know, that thought that, well, I should, I said, you know, maybe there's something else that was a little responsible and I shouldn't just assume. Um, but this is what this is what made it what it is. I would take it just a little bit step further and say that if, if you look at the number of engineers in the Houston region, no other place in the state of Texas has that many engineers. And it all started right at the Johnson Space Center. If you look at every industry that we have, it's high tech. You look at the oil, energy, healthcare, NASA, especially chemical, all high tech jobs, mm-hmm. all requiring engineers to exceed. So I can say that it would start right here. The oil industry was also centered here, and a lot of the development not maybe right here, but nearby is is connected to that, right? Sure. I mean, you, you get one of the biggest Exxon fields that they, the biggest Exxon field that they had for many, many years was right here in Friendswood. That's why they call it the Friendswood Development. I, I, I did do a little research. They said the Friendswood field is centered roughly at the Gulf Freeway and Dixie Farm Road, mm-hmm. uh, which at the time was not in the city of Houston either, because the JSC wasn't in the city of right. Houston. But the Humble Oil Company, ExxonMobil, made a large percentage of its money back in those days from right up the road here. Well, let me tell you a little, little, little history. At the, at the time when they built the Johnson Space Center, the Johnson Space Center was in the city of Pasadena. Okay. So there was negotiations that were held behind the scenes between the mayor of Pasadena and the mayor of Houston because NASA, when they landed on the moon, they wanted to say Houston. And the deal was made, they, they made a land swap. Houston took took over the Johnson Space Center and Pasadena took on took over Armand Bayou. That was a land swap. Which that's is how a nature preserve that's right. Mm-hmm. Just on the other side of the road. That's mm-hmm. how NASA ended up in Houston. Mm-hmm. Or JSC. Um, yeah. 
They didn't want to say Pasadena. Pasadena. <laughs> 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 nothing, not, there's not, nothing wrong with Pasadena. Wrong with Pasadena. <laughs> right. But there was, there was, it was more negotiations. It was more identifiable <laughs> being right. Houston. You, I'm yeah. sorry, you were going to say? No. No, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating. I didn't, I didn't know about the land swap. That's yeah. interesting. Um, you made reference of a couple of minutes ago to Clear Lake City and, right. and Bob to, to Friendswood Development. Mm -hmm. For people who are not in the Houston area, those names may not mean much, but those are, are residential developments here in the region, also responsible uh, as a result of NASA coming to the Houston area, right? right. And I, my family moved here in 1974, and everyone on our street worked for NASA except for my dad, who worked for UPS, the man next door that worked for one of the chemical companies, and the man across the street who was a preacher. <laughs> and so everyone else worked for NASA. Everyone else worked for NASA. And so they, they had to have a place to live. So Nassau Bay was built because the folks were coming here to work and they needed homes. El Lago the same way and um, then Friendswood Development developed an area called Clear Lake City that was annexed by Houston a few years later and so that area was here because NASA's here and folks needed homes. If you go back you go back and you, just, you talk about the homes and the areas that have been, been built up whenever JSC first established here, Nassau Bay was the first home homes that were built there. 95% of the uh, engineers and astronauts that worked at the Johnson Space Center worked or lived in Nassau Bay. And that, for, again, for people who are not from the area, Nassau Bay is right out the right front across gate the across mm -hmm. the street. Absolutely. So, but if you look at it today, there's about 15 or 16 percent, and then you look over at Friendswood is somewhere in the 27 percent range, and you look at League City it's about 31 percent. So, yes, it's it. NASA has created or Johnson Space Center has created these all these communities, to, you know, over the years. And you know, clearly, there needed to be homes for people to live in, but there needed to be all the other attendant construction and development to support all those people, right. too. Right, right. Uh, the road, NASA Road 1, that, which is five, FM 528, was named from our first chairman of the board. He named it NASA Road 1. And so he had nothing to do with. He was from Seabrook and um, was in the fishing community or, or industry. And but they were here, and we needed to have a, a roadway there, and so he named it NASA Road One. Good marketing so, move. Wasn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> it was a smart fisherman. Yes. <laughs> well, some of the areas are trying to change the name of it lately. Right. Well, slightly. They can they can they can call it NASA Parkway all they want, but it's but really it's, NASA Road. It'll one. always be NASA Road. <laughs> I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. Mm -hmm. Has the the development of the area and the economic developments that have come from that have that has that risen and fallen with the uh, with the space program over the years? Yes and no. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you go back to let's just say the shuttle program, we had, we had about eighteen thousand employees here that worked in the space program. Today we've got more rounded off around thirteen five. So yet yeah, dropped. But what was very unique about the NASA when when the shuttle retired and the constellation was canceled, the there was about forty two hundred people that got laid off. And what we did is we worked very hard with the state of Texas to transition the NASA engineers into other industry clusters. I went to the state of Texas and said, you know, we need, we need help. We want to keep these people in Houston. We don't want to lose this brain power. We don't need the brain drain. We need to keep them. And what we did, people said, well, they're, they're aerospace engineers. Well, they were uh, elect electrical engineers. They were mechanical some other engineers. Kind of engineers first. They mm -hmm. were yes, pro, uh, uh, software development engineers. They just loved the space program and went into the space program. So their skills are marketable. And what we were able to do, there was no downturn in the in the real estate market. 
88% of the people that got laid off got jobs in the Houston area, whether it was especially chemical, healthcare. There was like 900 that went to the medical center. There's a number of them that went to energy. So the idea that, that for people to think that we it went way down after that, the housing market did not go down in this region at all. Mm-hmm. Does Space Center Houston see a, a rise and fall of visitors related to what happens at the Johnson Space Center? Well, I think it's more NASA overall. So it's the public interest in space and, and what's transpiring. And when the shuttle program retired, that also that had a, an impact in the organization because there was a, there was a view that is NASA shutting down, is it no longer functioning? And so the, all the visitor centers experienced a downturn in attendance. And probably the most dramatic one was Kennedy, because their hallmark is going for launches, and there weren't launches taking place any right. longer. And they actually had a, a nearly 50% drop in attendance. Um, in our case, uh, we needed to refresh our exhibits and really pivot back to being a dynamic learning destination. Um, the organization had drifted more toward an attraction and having more kind of entertainment type content. And so with the change, uh, we've actually seen a huge upspike in attendance. And uh, really the, the turning point for us was acquiring Independence Plaza, the 747, the shuttle carrier aircraft 905, and the high fidelity replica of the shuttle. And that we, saw, we experienced an uh, increase of attendance by nearly 200,000 people in one year. And we've been able to sustain that and grow it beyond that point. And you've been able to be pretty confident that that's why that's the relationship that, absolutely i think well the other the other thing and this is something we're really emphasizing is honestly people have enough stuff or things <laughs> and what the priority in life now are their experiences and so they we the priority for for visitors is experiences they want to have a vicarious experience they want to get behind the scenes they want to understand how things function and one of the um, unique experiences here, you really get behind the scenes at Johnson Space Center. We have the ability to take you into the working facilities and labs, more so than any other NASA center or visitor center. And I, I think that's why we've experienced such a surge. People want to understand how do you train astronauts and what are the challenges of living in space and how are we going to send humans to other celestial bodies like Mars? So uh, those are the kind of questions we receive from our visitors. Earlier, you referred to how before Space Center Houston, visitors could just, you know, come up here and park on the curb and and walk around that they can't do anymore. But as you mentioned, your uh, facility is bringing people on site. Talk talk about where where Mm -hmm. they can go on site. What can they see? Oh, absolutely. So now it's managed, of course, and we, we because of security and access and also volume of visitors, uh, because we are at 1.1 million visitors a year, you could not have that volume of people just walking around the campus of Johnson Space Center. It would be really disruptive. I wouldn't have a place to park. <laughs> yes, that's true. Exactly. And so um, we offer kind of levels of experiences um, for uh, someone who comes as a general guest to Space Center Houston. You can take a tram to see um, the mock-up facility where there is a um, high-fidelity replica of the International Space Station that's used for training and developing solutions when there are challenges on station. Um, there's a whole area that used to have shuttle in it that's now the robotics lab where they're developing um, Robonaut 5 or Valkyrie, you know, the most advanced humanoid, mm-hmm. independent humanoid robot in the world who's going to support missions with astronauts in the future. Uh, and where they also mentor high school robotics programs. So there's a lot of community outreach that happens through Johnson. Uh, we also will take you to see um, the Saturn V building. And the Saturn V currently is the most powerful rocket. It probably will be um, ex- either the next most powerful rocket coming along with Space Launch System, SLS. Wow. But currently it's the Saturn V, which uh, took astronauts to the moon. 
and we have one that's made from real components, um, unlike the other two that are on display. So um, you get up and close and understand what it took to get away from Earth's gravitational pull and go all the way to the moon. And just how big it is. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's, it's absolutely that's, massive. Yeah, that's a, a shock. It was exactly. to me the first time I went to stood next to it to see yeah. just how big it is. And then on our really busy periods, we arrange special tours of the Neutral Buoyancy Lab over at Ellington Airport. So we'll take us over to see, again, how astronauts train in uh, water, you know, to prepare for uh, extravehicular activities or spacewalks. And that's very exciting because it's one of the largest um, indoor pools in the world. <coughs> and you actually see, again, full-scale replica station and see mm -hmm. astronauts often training from the viewing area. And so and there are a couple of facilities we'll take you to as well, depending on accessibility. One challenge we face is this is a working laboratory. It's a working facility. And sometimes we can't get access to things. So uh, there is a International Space Station control room, and we can take guests into the viewing area most times, unless there's something going on that you know, they don't want any kind of disruption or, or distraction. Um, we also to the Orion training room because that is one of NASA's top priorities now is uh, the Gateway Project and uh, returning humans to orbit the Moon and using that as a base to travel deeper into space. So we're beginning to interpret that as well. The presence of the Johnson Space Center here clearly brings in federal budget dollars that, that fund what's going on. But JSC also generates a lot of partnerships with other kinds of businesses. It's not just civil servants, it's other people that are working here. Uh, Cindy, Bob, uh, William, give me a sense of what other kind of partnerships have grown up in this area. What other kind of businesses have thrived in this area because NASA was here? Well, our chamber is made up of a lot of small businesses, and mostly small business. We have Fortune 500 companies, but we have uh, flooring companies, printing companies. Bob mentioned My Flooring America as, as a member of um, BAHEP. They're also a member of our chamber, and they're one of the flooring contractors for NASA. Uh -huh. And they are you know, a, a small business doing business in uh, commercial, but also residential, and, and have a great contract. Uh, with the Johnson Space Center. So uh, I think um, Miniman Press has a great contract with with um, Space Center Houston. So it's even the small businesses. And in fact, next week, we're doing a uh, workshop on how to do business with the federal government. <laughs> and so it's very important to our members on how do I get, you know, how do I have that kind of access and so our small business development center is putting that on by the way i heard it's weeks. really easy to do business that, with I'm, the federal i'm government. sure it is and we're going to find that out next week that's why you have to do workshops on it right yes yeah <laughs> i can give you a couple examples as well uh, the johnson space center partners with utmb down in Galveston for some human factors yeah. and studies. That's, that's the University of Texas medical branch, Correct. medical yeah. school and hospital in Galveston. They have a long-term relationship with them. They have a very long-term relationship with the Baylor College of Medicine and the Texas Medical Center, uh, where they're doing, in fact, they're doing studies on the Kelly brothers, uh, some genetic studies right. with them. And um, then you look at the pumps and pipes, where they partnered with the oil industry and the healthcare industry to, to look, do crossover uh, within each industry cluster. Because if you, for example, if you look at the oil, oil industry, they have pumps, they have pipes. You look at the heart business, the cardiac business, they have pumps in your heart, and they have pipes. And believe it or not, some of the, some of the same um, calculations that they use in the oil field, they use in the healthcare industry. They discovered that about eight or nine years ago. So we were able to get the aerospace community now involved in that as well. So you, so you have the pumps and pipes. So there's, there's a lot of partnerships 
most recently, in the last five years, we created an organization called Baytech. Um, and what we do is we find companies outside the gates that, that could use facilities inside, inside the gates uh, that, because they offer things here that you don't offer anywhere else in the world. Use facilities, NASA facilities Correct. on site like? Like the test labs, a number of the test labs. Um, you have companies that need that service. They can't get it anywhere else. So what they do, instead of coming here and having to negotiate with JSC, the bureaucracy, which would normally take, seriously, if you're a small business owner, it'd take you six months to get in yeah, here. It's really easy, but Well, it is now. <laughs> it is now because once we created Baytech, Baytech has a space act agreement with the Johnson Space Center and all of our contractors. Okay. So the companies go to Baytech, and within three days, you could be doing work wow. in the Johnson Space Center. Now, we, So we took it from, seriously, a six- to nine-month process down to three days. And we have a number of companies every year that come in and utilize these facilities. Well, something I'd like to add on to that, which I think is really important, is increasingly NASA is open to the public helping to come up with solutions uh, to challenges. And there is a tremendous amount of tech transfer or knowledge transfer from innovations to space exploration that benefits society every day. We have a major gallery at Space Center Houston on the International Space Station where we interpret and convey um, insights, um, investigations that are taking place that have applications that benefit life on Earth. In fact, there's a great publication called Benefits to Humanity that's available through nasa.gov online, and there are literally thousands of examples of scientific insights that are, are creating products and benefits. I think, uh, you know, you talk about um, the oil industry, healthcare. There, there are all kinds of transfer of knowledge that's taking place from research on International Space Station to life on Earth. Um, so for example, we now have the, on our website something called the Innovation Challenge Gateway where we're doing community science projects. So mm -hmm. we're the, actually the allied partner with the next Space Robotics Challenge. And, and this is a really fun story. So we partnered with NASA um, on the last Space Robotics Challenge that actually had cash prizes associated with it. Nice. And it was to come up with five programming solutions for Robonaut 5, or Valkyrie. And so it was a worldwide challenge. If you're a U.S. citizen or resident, you qualify for a cash prize. Um, there were teams from all over the world that submitted applications. We narrowed it down in partnership with NASA to 10 semifinalists. We brought them to Houston, to Space Center Houston. And then we took it another step where we had those teams mentor high school robotics teams and held oh. a competition on the floor so the general public could experience it. And the person who won three, and then we had a team from a premier technological university, MIT, mm -hmm. and a couple of others, so incredibly qualified people who are working on this virtual challenge. The person who won three of the five challenges was a stay-at-home dad from Southern California who brought a <laughs> six-year-old son who worked as an independent coder as a consultant. And so uh, his insights have now been used to develop these protocols for Valkyrie. So we're now doing a the next Space Robotics Challenge. And again, it's going to be open to the general public. And we're doing a number of other community challenges. And the public has been so interested in this and so engaged in it. And it's just, it's not exclusively the Houston region. It's people from across the nation and around the world that I actually have somebody full time who's dedicated to these community challenges. But again, it's a way that anyone can participate in coming up with solutions that are going to benefit society ultimately in some way. That's nice. Yeah, I, I remember, and it's been three, four years ago now, I remember that the Neutral Buoyancy Laboratory that you referred to before was making an effort to let it be known outside the gates that the NBL was available for companies that needed to do big testing of things. You could Correct. bring a mock-up and drop it in the pool and, and 
do your testing? Very actively involved at. There was a number of companies, but probably the one I want to talk about most is the uh, oil field industry. They need to train their uh, workers, if, a, if there's a helicopter crash, how to get out of the helicopter. Right. Okay. And so they, they started that process at the NBL. They had this mock helicopter, and every day they would train, you know, 15 or 20 or 30 workers in this helicopter to, to learn if the helicopter crashed into the water, how to get out of the and it flipped to the left how to get out, it flipped to the right how to get out, if it nosedive how to get out. And it was, it was an incredible project that they operate for quite some time. Yeah, and they can do that a lot more efficiently than they could if they took a helicopter out here to the lake. and, and which, is ba- to, which is basically what they were doing. They had been, okay. what those companies yes, have been doing. Exactly. Yeah. That's, wow. Yeah. <laughs> do you see a big growth or a big change in things when NASA and Johnson Space Center start new programs. Uh, the commercial crew program is is getting off, has just gotten off the ground. The first test flight was was here just a couple of weeks ago. Um, Orion is is in development. Do you see any uh, any effect of have although how those new programs uh, turn into more business in the area? Well, I think absolutely, depending on what it is. So, for example, with Gateway, uh, Johnson's been identified as the site for integration for that future space lab. And I know and one com- you're referring to the the plan to build this lab near the moon. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That's right. I I know of one company that's immediately hiring 400 staff. I mean they're they're trying to fill now. Science right now. That's like immediate just as a first step and the, so that is like a if you will a pebble in a pond the effect in this area because when you are awarded a big project through NASA it has great ramifications across industries. So of course, the core scientists and engineers, but it means more housing, it means more retail in the area, it means families are gonna be locating, relocating here potentially and enrolling in the school system. So it really has an effect across the entire community. Uh, so absolutely, there's a great impact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I just add to that, it, it, um, I, I believe we've turned the corner on that. It, it has been very challenging uh, in the recent past on getting new programs here at the Johnson Space Center. But I really believe, starting with the Gateway, we've, we've turned the corner on that. So I'm excited about the opportunity that we are, we're gonna be the home of integration for that. In a sense, having long-term successful programs that were centered here prohibited new programs from coming. We were still flying shuttles for as long as we were. We, were sti- we are still flying the International Space Station. Um, and it doesn't leave as much room for for new th- stuff and new people without a, a whole bunch of new government funding. Yeah, that's right. true. Mm-hmm. You look back at the budget, you know, you go back six years ago, our budget was about $16.5 billion, the entire federal budget uh, for NASA. Today it's $21.5. Uh, the Johnson Space Center, when flying the shuttle, our budget was about $7.2 billion a year goes through went through the Johnson Space Center. Today, it's about $4.6 billion that goes through the Johnson Space Center. Mm-hmm. Of that $4.6 billion, about $1.2 billion is in salaries alone. So it's pretty solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When NASA has big events, this is you know, a shorter-term impact, but when there are, are big events here, like announcing commercial crew uh, assignments or something like that, does that show up? Uh, does that show up for businesses in the area? I would say probably it does. I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever thought about it in that way, but of, of course, I mean, we have an expanding economy and 
businesses are still moving here that have nothing to do with um, being a technology company or be, I mean look at the growth at Baybrook Mall and real, um, real estate and and you're constantly seeing some of the older facilities being torn down with new brand new right. you know strip centers or whatever going up and so obviously there's a strong uh, there's still a strong economy here and part of it is the diversity of the of the area but um, it's still we're very proud to say we're the home of the Johnson Space Center our country's now astronauts and I travel for um, the Chamber of Commerce nationwide or statewide and whenever well where is Clear Lake well that is the home of the Johnson Space Center oh really you know so it does uh -huh. it, it there's a sense of pride for for that identification you know the commercial commercial crew announcement I think affects the, our economy a little bit differently okay that process has been going on for a couple of years before they make that official announcement when they make that official announcement and they hold it here and the media shows up that benefits the entire Houston area that's that's when people say oh my gosh NASA is open they are in, they are <laughs> yeah. doing business they are working yeah. it helps it, it it's got to help with William over at the Space Center Houston because it gets people excited about the space program so I think I think from a that's where we benefit the most is when they make those announcements the media comes out they talk about it people get excited and that that to me is the biggest benefit I think that's a really good point because we work very closely with visit Houston and the Greater Convention and Visitors Bureau and we uh, and that's helping Houston attract more big co conventions and professional meetings and things of that nature and then we become a top destination for an event or other tour or some other experience associated with that convention or that business meeting uh, that might be taking place here we're all very focused right now and you know we have the the big convention of oil producer with the world summit and an oil is coming up uh, really soon uh, you know, we're bidding for other kind of major events. It helped us secure Super Bowl, you know, a couple of years ago. Those are, these are all factors. And, and so the fact that we have a NASA center here and a major visitor center where you can come and experience the space program is a big, um, a big plus. I mean, the whole Super Bowl 51 was themed around space exploration. Yeah. So. Well, I was, I was going to, I was going to ask you about that. NASA's here, so the Giant Visitor Center is here, and it's mm -hmm. now the number one att visitor's attraction in this region. Does e your presence there uh, help other visitor's attractions in the area and contribute to, uh, to other things coming in just because Space Center Houston is there? I, I think absolutely yes, and I see us as part of the, the larger community, and we really are more so than ever trying to collaborate with other, uh, other organizations in town. Um, you know, one of our top priorities at Space Center Houston is diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility. And so we're really striving to be as accessible to, to everyone in, in the region. We're actually the first science center in the world that's been certified as an autism service center. And that <coughs> meant that our facility went through a complete review, that we, all our staff went through training and testing, and we have special support features like quiet rooms and kits that families can check out who have someone on the autism spectrum but that's just one example of many um you that, know, we're, I, I admit that's a thing i didn't even know was a thing yeah well it's, it's sadly yeah. autism is very prevalent and even yeah. more so in our society so how do we be accessible to everyone and a welcoming or, uh, entity organization for everyone so we've been partnering as well with dogs for the blind where they actually train uh, seeing eye dogs in our facility during peak days so the dogs are accustomed to large numbers of people coming through. We work, we offer special camping and, and overnights for all kinds of groups, including Blue Star family and Gold Star families, um, and working with all types of associations and clubs as well. 
um, just to give everyone an opportunity to come together in community and because space is such a great platform to learn about all aspects of society and in all academic areas I've had I had nephews in Boy Scouts who used to go overnight camp out at Space Center Houston. yeah we do badges for Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you mentioned the, the Super Bowl, and I, I think maybe a lot of people wouldn't connect the Super Bowl in Houston having anything to do with NASA, mm-hmm. but it did. It was a plan. It was, it was, yeah. it, there, was, mm-hmm. there was definitely a plan on that. And, and I will tell you, I'll talk to a lot of people uh, in different cities, and they will, I think the NFL will tell you that Houston was probably the best one, best location they've had in 10 or 15 years simply because of what NASA did. Yeah. Uh, with their exhibits, it was it was a huge draw, mm-hmm. huge draw. I mean, I can't explain it. William, you might be able mm-hmm. to. Share. Well, I think it's important to have a sense of place wherever you go, especially for big sporting events or any kind of convention. So, and we have World Petroleum Congress coming, which I alluded to a little bit earlier. That'll probably be themed very much around the NASA and the space program. That was the case for Super Bowl, but you want people to have a sense of place where you go, and that's a that's a major part of our identity here in Houston. It is Space City. And Space City is already, you can see it everywhere, is gearing up for the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. How do you imagine that is, or is it already having an impact right here in this community? Oh, yeah. People are very nostalgic, and so they like that that history and that that memory of that. And we've gone through old pictures and looked at stuff, and it... And so we've themed some of our events, Epicurean Evening that we have in January at Space Center Houston that was themed after Apollo's 50th anniversary. We have did our boat parade with a moon and, and included the, the logo for that. And so it's, it's an exciting time and, and makes people, people remember and, and appreciate what they did. I mean, what those folks did that had never been done before and so I, I think it has a, a great impact, and especially in this area when people feel so close to it. Whether they lived here or were a part of it at all, right. they still feel close to that. Yeah. Um, I, I think absolutely. Mm-hmm. We, as you can imagine, we are doing major activity and we're collaborating with headquarters and the other visitor centers. Um, my belief is that Houston will be like New Year's Eve in New York on <laughs> July 20th. This is where everyone's gonna be focused. And we have uh, put together a major calendar of programming and activity. We're working actually very closely with organizations across the city, with Houston First and Visit Houston, our promotional agencies of the city of Houston, and linking to a national calendar that NASA has posted as well. But uh, we're really in, in Houston focusing on the whole summer. We're calling it Space City Summer and have programming happening. And you can go to our website to learn more. We have a calendar with those things posted. So we have everything from our Thought Leader series where we're bringing in luminaries from the Apollo program uh, to we're doing a Space on Screen series. So every month we're showing a feature film. Uh So we showed in January um, Last Man on the Moon and did a panel with uh, uh, Gene's daughter and his first wife that gave an insider perspective on what transpired. We showed the right stuff last month. We're showing Hidden Figures next Friday at Space Center Houston. But I I do wanna focus on that period in July, which I think is gonna be so exciting here, where beginning on launch day, the 16th of July, we have a panel with 14, uh, or sorry, round tables with 14 of the flight controllers uh, from the Apollo era, who are all gonna talk about aspects of their experiences, we're going to have all kinds of events and programs. The, the Really, the, the huge day, of course, is going to be the 20th, um, which was the day we landed on the moon and took the first steps. And the great thing is the first steps were mid-afternoon on a Saturday central time. So we're going to have a countdown experience. And then in the evening, about 9.58 p.m. is when 
uh, Neil Armstrong, you know, had the first boot on the surface of mm -hmm. the moon. And we're actually planning a huge concert and festival that day. And then uh, we're also at the close on Splashdown, which is really important to Johnson because we, the people here did not relax until the astronauts were safely back on Earth, out of the capsule, on the, the deck the of the carrier. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to do a big 60s-themed party on the 24th on Splashdown Day. So those are just a highlight of the, the few things we're doing. We're also, as I mentioned, Before working, I forget to ask you again, uh, what's the website? Oh, spacecenter.org. So just if you Google or put in your browser, Space Center Houston, yeah. uh, we'll come up and you can go to our calendar section and learn more. But there are gonna be things happening all over the city. On the 20th, right. Discovery Green is going to be uh, showing the new documentary, Apollo 11. Um, the Museum of Natural Sciences has uh, interpretive domes uh, that they're gonna have all over the city. We're actually reaching out to surrounding communities that have agreed to be part of the celebration that day. So well, we'll have a lot happening here. There are gonna be celebrations happening throughout the Houston region. Nice. Are there bad aspects of the area being so reliant and having prospered so much from the government being here? Oh, I'd, I'd say no. no. Uh, I no. think we have such a diversified economy here now. We really do. And it, it all started with the Johnson Space Center. Uh, but it's not 100% reliant on the Johnson Space Center. Absolutely not. I would say our economy here now today, believe it or not, is somewhere around 22 or 23% reliant on the Johnson Space Center. That seems like a small number. Yeah. It is. But it's, it's the heart and soul. It's what drives it. I, something I'd like to add, and I, I totally agree with that, that it's become much more diversified, which is a, is a good thing. But um, the uh, space program now works in partnership with so many entities. And I, I think the genesis to the commercial sector was a natural thing. You know, Houston now has the uh, innovation corridor, the technological corridor along the spine of the city, along the, the, the tram line. And Johnson Space Center is working very closely with that uh, initiative. And so, because uh, there's so much innovation that happens here and so much knowledge transfer that can, in, that can stimulate new businesses. So we're really keep a key part of that. I mean, Space Center Houston has just uh, established a partnership with the University of Houston and with San Jacinto College in workforce development because we don't have enough people here in science and engineering. And we're constantly having to recruit people from other areas, but we, we could home grow more of those qualified individuals and so uh, we're really we're looking at how can we improve the pool and increase the pool of local talent. What aspects of the relationship am I not seeing? Have we not talked about what other what what other important things are going on here because NASA is here? Well, go back and talk about the spaceport. We created the spaceport about, right. about mm -hmm. five years ago. Mm -hmm. I went to Mayor Nice Parker and suggested to her that she go through the process of creating a spaceport, and she looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> I said, Nice, I'm not talking about launching rockets. I'm talking about supersonic travel, air travel. I'm talking about going from, from Houston to New York in 40 minutes and going from Houston to England in two and a half hours. Wow. Those, those, those planes are being designed and developed today. We're better to do it than in Houston. Houston. We're an international city. There's only one city in the United States of America that has more embassies than we do, and that's New York, and they beat us by five. Only five. We are an international city. Mm -hmm. So, and we are, we would be, when I told her, I said we would be the only 
spaceport in an MSA. The other spaceports, there's 10 of them located all around the U.S., but all of them are not in an MSA. They're, on the, they're right on the coast. They're in the desert. They're in West Texas. They're in South Texas. We're better than right here. So she, she went through the process. We got with Mario Diaz at the Houston Airport System. He is a bulldog. He got it done in about two and a half years. Spent, we spent a lot of money to get it done. But we are growing the spaceport. And how does that designation, that, and it's at Ellington Airport, Correct. which is a, a few miles up the road from JSC, what does that designation mean is going to happen there? That means that, that planes can take off and land at, and travel at supersonic travel over the Gulf. Right now you can't fly over the U.S., but that's quickly changing. NASA has created a new plane that has a low boom effect that we had tested over the Gal uh, Galveston this past year. Right. It passed in flying colors. Uh, and that's the next step to completing that, the, those, those type of aircraft and being able to fly over the continental United States at supersonic travel. Know what you, have to, you have to be a spaceport in order to launch and land supersonic travel mm -hmm. aircraft. Nice. Mm -hmm. What about pride? People around here care about the fact that NASA's here? Mm -hmm. I think well, so. I, I, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, we're Texans. Right. We're very proud of uh, this region and NASA and what it's done for the, for the community. I mean, again, it, it goes back to the heart and soul, and it's really grown the city of Houston into what it is. It really has. And so many folks came here. They weren't from here. They came here, and they're still here. They retired here. They stayed in this community because it's a great community, and it honors the NASA tradition, the JSC tradition. And and I think that why would they why would they stay here if their family's not here? Yeah. And well, so I think the other measure of that is you look at the recognition. So. If you go to any of the big sporting events, there's always a NASA night with right. the Astros or the Rockets or the Texans. Or the Rodeo. Or the, the Dynamos, rodeo, yeah. the Rodeo. Yeah, you can go on and on with the examples. Yes, there's a Rodeo. So there is <laughs> a there's a NASA night there. <laughs> yes, yes, there is. So there is a you know, recognition, and, and those organizations would not hold those, those nights if they didn't know the public would embrace it. The public care and are passionate about it, and they're really proud that this is the home of a NASA center. William, Cindy, Bob, thank you for sharing your expertise on this. Very interesting conversation. Thank, thank you, you for inviting us. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. If you want to learn more about NASA in the Houston area, we've posted links to our guests' organizations. Also, check out nasa.gov Johnson for information on JSC. You can go online to keep up with all things NASA at nasa.gov. It would also be good for you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You will thank me. When you go to those sites, you can use the hashtag AskNASA to submit a question or suggest a topic for us. Please indicate that it's for Houston We Have a Podcast. You can find the full catalog of all of our episodes by going to nasa.gov slash podcasts. When you do that, please check out the other cool NASA podcasts that you can find there, like Welcome to the Rocket Ranch, On a Mission, NASA in Silicon Valley. There are more. They're all available right there in the same spot where you can find us, nasa.gov slash podcasts. 
This podcast was recorded March 13th, 2019. Thanks to Alex Perryman, Gary Jordan, and Nora Moran for their part in the production, to Debbie Condor for suggesting the topic, and to our guests, Cindy Deweese, William Harris, and Bob Mitchell. We'll be back next week.